This is Derek Dernberger, and you're listening to The Break Podcast. Well, Derek Dernberger and Tom Rainey here at DeerFest, representing The Break Podcast and Browning Trail Cameras, wrapping up day one. It's a busy day today, Tom. <laughs> I was about to take a nap, actually. Busy, it is busy because uh, that <laughs> that seminar that you and I had so much time to prepare for. I spent like all morning getting ready for that. I felt like it was scramble mode, kicking off a big consumer show like this. Friday nights are usually relatively slow at things like this, but this thing like starts out wide open. It's crazy, and you got people, you got seminars. We're trying to do podcasts. We're trying to line up guests for tomorrow. I'm just, uh, I'm already tired already. It's first day here. I'm worn out too. Of course, I've been on vacation. Vacation already wears you out, and then you come to this where you're actually working, and it's vacation. Yeah, I'm, I'm dog-tired right now. You need vacation from vacation. That's exactly what I need. But I won't be able to do that, unfortunately. I do think we managed to pull off the seminar there. Just of our seminar here at DeerFest 2019, 10th anniversary here. You uh, kind of dropped that bomb on us with uh, not a lot of notice, but I was okay with it. Well, you dropped the bomb on you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just didn't bother you, telling you. You didn't tell me until, yeah, until I'm calling you. Hey, where are we setting up the podcast at 1230? Oh, yeah, well, we got to set it up over here, and then uh, we've got to do this seminar. I said, Tom, I think I thought I heard we. <laughs> it, it, yes. Yes, you did. But I, did, I, I, I tried to be respectful today. I didn't, like, toss it over. I didn't throw it over the fence to you and run off. No. I was just your Ed McMahon to John, your, <laughs> you the Johnny Carson. I just uh, chimed in when there was a little break in the action where I felt like I needed to add something. Well, it's funny, you know, because it, it's hard to do – like advanced trail camera tips and tactics but you know people want to learn more so you try not to be condescending so you try to like start with the basics and you try to hope that it'll evolve and actually the group that was in there i think it actually worked out pretty well because you know the things that help give you the best trail camera pictures and images are the simplest things like the high quality batteries the high quality sd card make sure it's the right speed on that sd card so all those things and so we started with that and it actually I think there was like people in the audience that were interested in hearing that and learning it so you never know what your audience is going to be you don't want to go in condescending right out of the gate but i think it worked out well yeah well while we're on that topic we might as well cover some of the things we covered in there because some of the people listening may works for me yeah so you talked about batteries and sd cards what are we looking for there yeah that's what we started out with you know lay the foundation you know said that's probably like the obvious thing to say but let's go ahead and do uh, point out the importance of the high-quality battery, like the Energizers, the obviously the Browning Trail camera batteries, things like that. You want to make sure you got enough power through that's going to push that detection range out, get the right flash, where you're just not compromising your camera's performance. And then, you know, without me being able to do that ridiculous visual that I do where I'm spinning my fingers in a circle here, <laughs> this is not the medium for that, you know, the camera writes at a certain speed, and so you want an SD card that can receive that information at the same speed or better and so class 10 is what we recommend that's what our cards are at browning trail cameras uh you know if if you if you're just bound and determined to be an internet sharper shopper and you go out and find some like 
the sand disc makes some good class 10 yeah. cards that'll that'll work in the cameras but man stick to that quality if you're going to go out and spend a hundred dollars on a camera i mean spend the money you know the extra couple bucks to make sure you're putting the right stuff in the camera so that it works yeah. right so a good analogy there would be somebody a typist that can type 100 words per minute but if the typewriter I'm talking I'm, I just aged myself saying typewriter. yes you did <laughs> that's all right they don't even have typewriting anymore let's just say the word processor yes. can only write at word 70, processor I think you're dating yourself with word, word processor all right well let's just say typewriter we'll go typewriter the typewriter can only type 70 words per minute and your typist is a hundred words per minute yes the typewriter is not going to keep up, and it's going to be a bunch of mumble jumble. Well, actually, dating yourself kind of works in that analogy. Yes. Because if you have a slower device, yes, SD card typewriter, yep. you need to replace it with one that is capable of keep, keeping up. Correct. And that's what your SD cards are, your high-quality yep. Class 10 SD cards, either the Browning Trail Cameras SD card or a SanDisk. Yep. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, and then... And then on top of that, you've done a video for us before. The, the the basics. Get that camera out. Make sure you haven't left batteries in it during the off season. Right. Because we really talked about that today, man. If you can mess up those contacts and have trouble transferring energy from the battery into the camera if you've yeah. left the left those batteries in there. Uh, so you, just the preparation, going in and investing that time. I, I told them in the class today that. Uh, I have the compressed air. I like to make sure I spray off on my lenses. I, I spray off the control panel. I mean, some of it's probably unnecessary, but I'm doing everything I can to have that camera working at peak performance when I finally put it out there on the tree. Right. So you're putting fresh batteries in. So yep. the video you mentioned, when I store my cameras, I, I run a, just a few of them year-round, and then I increase them more as mm -hmm. we get into hunting season. When hunting season's over, I pull a lot of my trail cameras. First thing I do is take everything out of it. Batteries are gone, SD cards out of it, and I put it away dry, basically yep. empty, and then store it. So um, when we break them out, or you talked about, it takes you two days to get everything ready. And you think about, well, you put the fresh set of batteries in, you put a newly formatted SD card in. Mm -hmm. right. You know, that's something we didn't mention today, and now yeah. that you've said it, I wish I would have. Yes. Because I do that, I do that when I put it on the tree. Yes. I format that SD card again. And on our cameras, it's pretty simple. I think I think I was trying to explain it to my father. Like, maybe it was like five clicks. It, well, it's not a lot to be able to get to format. Yes, bang, yes. do it. That card's ready to take pictures from that Browning Trail camera. So maybe I'll remember to say that tomorrow. Someone else also told me that uh, after they download their pictures off their computer, they go ahead and format the card off their computer as well. I've never done that. but I haven't. I, I just do it on the camera so that I know that it's formatting it to work yeah. with that camera. I, it might be, might be me being a little too obsessive. Yeah, I do it every time too. But I, I like doing it like that uh, because something that people don't, and I'm guilty of it. If, you, if you're looking at that SD card on your laptop, for example, and you just delete images, it doesn't free up that memory. That's correct. And so you need to format it to free up all that memory again that was on your SD card. Right. And so that's something else that people don't think about. They, they think that, all right, I deleted everything. It's like, yeah, but you need to open that memory up again. So just format it again because you already yeah. deleted everything. Right. Yep. So that's a step we take. And then we talked about kind of getting ahead of ourselves here. Mm -hmm. But uh, 
when you're putting your trail cameras together before you put them out, you're thinking about where this trail camera is going. Yes. In the yeah, field. and that's actually where I was about to go too. So we're on the same page with that. It's like I have several different types of cameras. You know, one's a standard infrared flash, one's a black invisible flash. You know, one's got a detection range of 80 feet. One's got a detection range of 100 feet. So I've got all these different variables. So I actually go through the thought process of what camera will work best in this location. Correct. So, you know, edge of a field, I'm, I'm looking for a little more range. I'm not too terribly concerned with being a black flash because they still got starry nights. And, I mean, there's all kind of, especially where I'm living, I mean, there's lightning bugs everywhere. There's just lots of activity in those big open fields. So... I'm actually planning out like what specific camera goes to a, a particular setup and the net results are worth the time, you know, the two days of me just taking the time and getting really organized because then all I got to do is go out and hang the cameras. Yeah. And uh, I just think that I think the net results actually work out better for me by taking that extra time to do that. Uh-huh. And then along with that, when we talked about, you know, picking the right trail camera for, and I mentioned in that seminar mm-hmm. that I'm picking the, I'm not just going to buy the the camera that's on sale or whatever it is. I'm thinking about the application for it. So you mentioned the field. So Mm -hmm. if I'm putting it on the edge of a field or a food plot, I want that 100-foot detection, 120-foot flash range. That's the camera I'm buying for that scenario. So I'm thinking about that. And then when I want to go on the lesser end, don't want to spend as much money i don't need that extra long flash range because this camera i may be may just be putting it on a mock scrape or something like that or a yep. mineral lick or a feeder something that's going to be within 60 feet 60 feet um the maximum flash range which is going to lower your you know the the cost of that camera and so anyways i'm thinking about the application yeah. on any camera i buy that's the same thing is when you're setting up your cameras you're thinking about where it's going before you put it out you don't just stick cameras out there willy-nilly yeah i don't want to suggest that people that like fall in love with a particular model are making a mistake but you know if you if somebody falls in love with a really expensive model like you don't necessarily always have to buy that most expensive model there's good options at the at the the entry level strike force cameras where i mean they're delivering what you need and like we were talking about in the seminar you put that on a creek crossing because that's some of the best pictures we see because it really seems like it's easy to pinpoint where all the deer are crossing the creek i mean you look in the side of the bank and see they've cut a trail that's eight inches deep in the side of that hill you're like well i'll just put my trail camera here right and so there's things like that where you be like you know maybe i can back off and get two cameras instead of one yep (laughs) and then we also talked about you know, how are we setting our cameras up in multi-shot mode, yep. rapid fire mode? You know, what are your best options there? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for me personally, I do the multi-shot mode, you know, because the rapid fire, like, takes all of the images, like, within a two-second burst. Uh, when you're in the multi-shot mode, there's a, a little bit of a longer delay between the images that are captured. And the reason I do that is because... You know, we've got up to like a 0.15 second trigger speed on some of our cameras now, and that is super fast. So if if a deer is just browsing through or, you know, taking his time, you know, I might only get the headshot on one deer if I only have it set up to take one image. So if I go to multi-shot where I'm taking two images, three images, what I'll do is I'll turn the, the megapixel down on, on what my picture is. I usually do four megapixels because I can still zoom in and see what I need to see. But it'll free up enough memory in that card where I'm getting 
two, three pictures. And usually that third or fourth picture, I might see like another buck or I might see turkeys because that's really all I'm caring about. <laughs> I'm really looking for seeing how many long beards might well, be. Well, I noticed. I there. noticed you had that turkey picture in the seminar. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah in the seminar, <laughs> as we keep referencing the visuals on this medium where there's nothing visual at all, <laughs> there, there's a slide where it was eight multi-shot sequence and. Like when you first look at it, there's two long beards coming into the screen. By the time you get to the eighth shot, there's a third long beard, and that's the kind of information and I need. You are super excited. See, there's a third long beard. And everybody's <laughs> like, "This is deer fest." That Where's was funny. Deer? <laughs> <laughs> it was crickets in the room when I did that. Like, know your audience, fool. <laughs> yeah. It's like this is a marching you band. You were super nowhere. excited. Look, there's three. I was. I, was. I did. I thought I was the only one that noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> it was horrid, man. <laughs> Oh, it was so terrible because so, yeah. I totally noticed it. It felt like it felt like forever. It's like when a comedian tells a joke and it just falls flat in the room. I was like, and look, a third long beard. And they were all like, what? Make it deer fest. How many times with deer fest? That's on me, dog. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, that one fell. But. But the, 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 the point is. The point is. <laughs> That by, you know, extending it out to like a third or fourth shot, you can see things that you otherwise wouldn't see. Right. So, yeah, you can do that in the multi-shot mode. And I yep. mentioned that I do use the rapid-fire feature Yep. and the multi-shot feature. Again, it depends on the scenario. If I'm in a food plot where deer are just head down and meandering and grazing through there, I'm in multi-shot because yep. if you're in rapid-fire, you're probably going to get the exact same image of the deer's head down eight times if you had a set of eight pictures. Yep. But uh, I'll use the rapid fire walking down a trail where they're moving through there. And yeah. And you might get several different images. And we also kind of like tagged on to the end of that. We talked about, you know, when to video, when not to video. Yes. Admittedly, I usually have at least one or two cameras on video just because I really think that the video is cool. So yeah. I like the videos. Uh, so I've always got some cameras rolling on video. But it, I, don't, I don't do them all like that. But right before the rut. Like around in Tennessee, it's usually like first week of December. Thanksgiving, we're on video. It's go time. I want to see how those bucks are interacting with the does because if they start nosing around, that, that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be at the farm. Yeah. I gotta, I'm going to spend a couple of days there because that's going to be the best chance for me to maybe stumble across one of those mature deer that we've got on there. So yep. so there's different strategies, different uses for those. Multi-shot, the, the rapid fire, the rapid burst mode, the, the video it's just a matter of like thinking through it and, and planning out. Uh, you know, we also pointed out features to pay attention to. Like I always talk about that self-adjusting illumination. We've had that on every camera we've ever done, uh, and it's important because man, if a, if a deer kind of like comes in at a funky angle or gets tied on the camera and the flash is too bright at night, it'll just kind of white out the image and you can't even see what's going on. So, yep. our cameras will adjust the amount of light based on how close or how far away that deer is. So that's something you can be looking for, like a self-adjusting illumination. Auto exposures. Yep, yep, all that auto exposure. Uh, the same thing goes with uh, like your detection range, your flash range. Pay attention to all those things and, and make sure you're setting your camera up so that it's able to perform within its specifications. Yep. So I don't know that we'd like necessarily like we're terribly enlightening in there, but I think it's good. You know, the people that were in there admittedly like said that talking through some of that stuff from a practical standpoint kind of made sense to them so right 
somebody mentioned, uh, and we talked about it, how high to set your camera yep, up, yep. how you know how low. And somebody mentioned that, well, if I set it too low, the deer smells it and they walk right up to it and start licking it. Or we, it, if the deer sees it, it kind yeah. of led into what we're going to talk about here. Right. But you mentioned that. <laughs> the scent control. The scent control. Because I was, I, I don't know why I use a ham sandwich because I don't know if a deer would eat a ham sandwich. But that's always like there's some comedic rhythm to actually explaining <laughs> like – Man, you're going to send me a picture and tell me somebody saw your trail camera or a deer saw your trail camera when that deer's walking over and licking the lens. No, he didn't see that camera come over and lick it. He smelt it. And it's because you didn't wash your hands after you ate that ham sandwich for lunch. That's why he's licking the camera. So it's like pay attention to the little simple things like that, man. If you don't want that deer over there licking that camera, okay. Little scent control, uh-huh. latex gloves, man. You can get those things. You can get a box of a hundred for next to nothing now. I mean, yeah. I keep those things everywhere. Yeah, yeah, I do too. What else did we cover? Is that about? That's about it. Yeah, there was uh, like uh, pay attention to the sunset. You know, pay attention to, like when yeah, you're yeah, setting it that's up. Right. Yep. You know, if you because uh, we see that a lot. You know, if somebody will like be concerned that it's not capturing something. It's like uh, it's because it's blowing out. Yeah. It's sunrise and sunset because you're pointing right into the sun. Yeah. So you pay attention, like, where the – everybody makes that mistake, though, because you get excited. I was telling them in the room today, I was like, I get excited to find a tree. I'm like, ooh, I can shoot, like, 40 yards all the way across right. this field. I get all kinds of good pictures. And then, you like, sun's right in the lens. You're like, hmm. West is worst. Yes, west. West is worst. If you have to face it into the sun, I always say you want to face it east Yeah. because – the morning, generally, especially if it's in a food plot, they're going to be out there in the evening, so yep. you're going to get crystal clear evening pictures. They're going to be there all night, so you're going to get those pictures all night. The only time you're going to get busted is in the morning, and you probably got those same deer Coming all night back. long. Yep. Yeah. So, so west is worse. North to south is how I generally I try, try to set try my to cameras up. Like I said, I get excited. I'll find a tree that, like, ooh, look at this. Yeah. Yeah. But if you have to, if you have no choice – but to face it into the sun one way or another, face it east. Right. And then we That's talked about, you know, the, and we talked about, I used the creek crossing as an example on that one uh, where we talked about there's angles. There's so many different angles to get the right picture. Yeah. Just pay attention to that. You know, it might be a camera. It might be a tree across the field, close to you, across the ditch, higher, lower, east, west, north, south. Yeah. Just Pick the right angle to eliminate as many hindrances as you can. Like, what's your background going to be? Because I put a picture on that presentation today as we continue to reference the visual medium here <laughs> of that big buck standing like in that CRP. I'm like, hey, he's got horns. That's all I can tell you, though, uh-huh. Bob, because it's like lost in all of that craziness. Yeah, all his tines blended in with the grass. The yeah, so grass. you just kind of like, you know, pay attention. Like, you can find a different angle sometimes and. That I used that creek crossing as a s- central point when I was trying to make that an example. Like, you can put the camera just about anywhere, but you're pointing at that same spot. So just, yeah. you know, don't don't consider yourself to only have one option when you're setting up a camera. I mean, look around. There might be something better. Yeah. Yep. But, yeah, I think that covers it. Yeah. Pretty I'm much a seminar. We got a little trail camera tips here. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure we've left out something, but I, that pretty much covered the. The gist of what we were trying to communicate, I mean, it's a lot of, like when we got to the end, it was just like, your preparation is what's going to help you get the best pictures. Yeah. Because there's once you've got that camera and that camera's out in the field doing the work for you, there's not much you can do. 
It's everything you do on the front end that yeah. helps you get the best pictures and videos. So that was what the gist of the dialogue was. Like, you know, me taking the two days to, like, I lay all the cameras out on my mom's dining room table. It drives her crazy. Because <laughs> yeah. I drive up to the farm, spend a few nights with the parents, get mom's cooking. And then she wakes up one morning and there's trail cameras, like, all <laughs> over. And she's like, you've got to get these out of here. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I'm just now, like, putting new batteries. This is going right. to take two days. And she's like, get out. Get out. I don't care where you put them. Get them off my table. Uh-huh. What was one question there? The guy asked, um, you know, I've heard you're not supposed to put trail cameras by your tree stands. Yes. Yeah, which I do. I don't. I, you know, I understand people's apprehension to doing that, you know, because, you know, you you, you, you want to create as few disturbances in that area as you can. Right. So if you can reduce your introduction of scent, if you can reduce the number of times you blow deer out of that area, there's so many different things. For me, I just, you know, just be disciplined enough not to go in and keep checking that right. camera. Yep. Check it when you go in, you know, when you set it up, when you plan your entrance and your exit, think through it, go by the camera, swap the card out, yep. and just – Planted effectively. Yep. I feel like I should make you come over here, Abby. (laughs) Yeah, you are good at talking. You are a liar. (laughs) That young lady that just walked by, it's embarrassing. I don't know. She told me last night she was a senior in high school. She's been working this show since she was like 10 or 11. I remember when she was like three feet tall marching around the walkie-talkie she had on her belt was as big as she was. (laughs) taller than you now. Oh, she, oh, she is taller than me. I was talking to her earlier. She's looking down on me. I'm like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> like, I remember when you were like three feet tall. Now you're like six feet tall. <laughs> like, you've grown more in the last few years than I've grown in 40. It's just sad. <laughs> oh, man. But that's one of the neat things about being here at DeerFest. You know, not to segue too far away from the cameras, but, I mean, you come back all these years, and it's the same people. The people that work the show enjoy working the show, and they get to know you as a vendor, and they get to know the people that you show up with. So, I mean, there's so many people here you get to know over the years, and I think it helps the entire atmosphere of the show. Yeah. Because, like, when an attendee comes up and asks you where something is, it's like you know where everybody is, Mm -hmm. or you know at least who to send somebody to to get help. And so – I got to give Hugh a lot of credit. He really does this show, and I've, I've been to shows that have more people. But I don't know that there's a better deer show in the country. It'd be hard for me to argue against that, honestly. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And everybody here, are deer. I mean, everybody here are serious deer hunters. From oh what yeah, I can tell. Oh yeah, nope, no, nobody's here for the heck of it. No, uh-uh. they're already. Actually, it gets me ready for deer season. I laugh. I, I tell people <laughs> this, and it's actually become like a serious. They, uh, their weather is like really nice up here this time of year. <laughs> I'm flying off, leaving 100 degree weather uh-huh. in my tailwind, and it's like 80 degrees during the day and yeah. like 60 degrees at night up here. I'm like, that's fall back home, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm already. It gets me up here. I start thinking about deer season. It did. It honestly like kicks me off, like shooting my bow more. Like I got to get up and clean out roads. I got to go yeah. check food plots. Like this show triggers me every year. It does for me too. Ever since I've been coming up here, man, I've gotten into it. You know, I've gotten the fever as soon as leaving here. And I'm, oh yeah. I'm working on food plots and getting every single camera I have out, shooting my bow a lot more. Yeah, I love it. 
I love it. So who are we going to have on here tomorrow? We got. Uh, Man, there, we're a, have, we've got a list of candidates. I don't. Yep. I don't know how many we've actually locked into particular spots, but. Uh, well, we will have Rut Daniels. Rut. Well, Rut Daniels from Catching Deer. Yeah, or Bud. I'm not sure who's going to show up. Yeah, well, that's a good guess. A good point. <laughs> One of those two will show up. And then uh, one of your fantastic sponsors from yes. HHA, HHA, I believe Chris will be making Chris it will be over here, here. Yeah, to talk about HHA USA. And then a good and friend of mine, Jeremy Moore, if you're in the dog community at all. I'm a little biased, so I say that on the front end. Uh-huh. So I don't want to step on any toes here. <laughs> Me personally, I think Jeremy is one of the better deer dog trainers yes. in the country. Yep. He's the dog bone hunter. He's also recently started a company. It's the the Hordag Licking Stick, yep. uh, and they've been wildly successful right out of the gate. It, it's uh, it's neat because we've sent him some cameras to do some promotions with, and man, the stuff that he gets on his trail cameras, I I admittedly should probably listen to Jeremy some more. He's a friend of mine, so when he tells me something, I should listen probably a little more. Yeah. But as a deer hunter, like if you're a deer hunter, you would want to jump back and, and jump on a Jeremy podcast to understand that licking stick a little more because, man, he's able to get fantastic inventory of, like, bucks on this place. So we should have him tomorrow. Uh, we're going to try to get Lee and Tiffany to swing by, as you can well imagine. Their schedule is a yeah. mess wherever they are. I, I, we spoke to him a little while ago. I told him I'd visit with them in the morning i think willie's here tomorrow t-bone's here tomorrow so hopefully if their schedules allow we can pull a couple of them over here yep i know hugh said uh, hugh McAloon, who step, owns step the show in, yep. so we in. should have some interesting guests tomorrow today is uh you know everybody's trying to get their legs under them on the first day so i think we're still trying to do that actually yes can't have company in that seminar <laughs> <laughs> That was the highlight of my day, ladies and gentlemen. Because I was just blowing through that story to Derek where I was like, well, I'm on the way. I had to finish this PowerPoint for our presentation, and I kept talking, and Derek wouldn't say anything. And when I got done, he went, did you say our? <laughs> our presentation? Yes. Oh, did I not tell you? Hey, we got a presentation at 5 o'clock this afternoon. That's all right. We made it through. I made it through without embarrassing myself too bad. Well, another little kind of behind the curtains on that deal. It was funny because I kept looking at my watch, and when it was 545, I was like, oh, we got to wrap up because Lee and Tiffany's crowd's going to start showing up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want to get trampled by them because <laughs> there'll be a lot of them. Oh, so, we, so we shut that down. But it, I think, you know, even even Jeff came by here a second ago and said he hadn't thought about that stuff until he'd already put his cameras out. Yeah. <laughs> what did he say? He forgot to, he forgot he to set the date and the time. Yeah, didn't get the date and like, time correct. Didn't even I thought I it. did so good. <laughs> so there's been a few people that stopped and said something. And I could tell, like, uh, the couple that was, like, sitting on our right, they were, like, really into it. Yeah. I mean, so, so there was enough people in the room that were really interested and felt like they were learning that I think it was a successful first seminar today, and then we've got another one tomorrow. Tomorrow, I don't remember who's after us. I know T-Bone is first. So <laughs> we'll get to suffer through the humiliation of all of his people walking out of the room when we start our seminar. <laughs> yeah, well, today we had to follow Rut Daniels. <laughs> We, we then, did catch a break with him having to rap a little early, though. Yeah. So right. we didn't. So all his people left before we got there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were sandwiched between Rut and Lee and Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. 
Oh yeah, we, we were we were in a good spot today though. Yeah. Between those two, that's a, and, and I was pleased with our crowd. We had a good crowd. Yeah, we had a good crowd. Yep. So hopefully, hopefully tomorrow will go just as well. And we thought of a few things that we can cover tomorrow as yep, well. So yep. Yep. And I good. think first day at Deer Fest here has been good. You know, uh, Friday's a tough day. You know, because everybody's had a long week. You know, and we we do stay open until nine tonight. So we've still got a little time for anybody that's still out there wandering around. But yeah. But yeah, tomorrow will be crazy. We know that. It's going to be loud in here, but we'll try to. <laughs> we'll just start grabbing people out of the aisle tomorrow. Yeah. We'll make Sam talk to us tomorrow. <laughs> oh. All right. We ready to wrap this one up? Yeah, let's Tom? go ahead and wrap up day one here at Deerfest. All right. We'll close us out and we'll shut her down. Yep. This is Tom Rainey from Browning Trail Cameras and Derek Dernberger from The Break. We are here celebrating the break podcast and 10 years at Deerfest in west bend wisconsin hope you enjoyed today and we will be talking to you again tomorrow thank you everybody talk to you soon this is derek dernberger and you're listening to the break podcast 